The job of a utility line worker is dangerous, sometimes even deadly. The contracted linemen who work for an electric company came in contact with electricity. Both workers were pronounced dead at the scene. Last year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics listed electric power line installers in the top 10 civilian jobs with fatal injury rates. And that's been true for almost a decade. Now, there's growing momentum to move electric infrastructure underground because it's less vulnerable to extreme weather. But these projects can also be extremely hazardous. It's a confined space. It's often a dark space. And, uh, you know, that restricts your field of of movement. Um, That means that if there were an incident in the underground, it often takes some time to remove yourself from the, the source of danger. That's Josh Gould. He works on innovation at the Pennsylvania utility Duquesne Light Company. Last year, when a worker was injured installing underground cables, he knew his team needed to come up with a way to make the job safer. If we had perfect awareness of what an employee was encountering um, when he or she enters a manhole, um, I think that is a big contribution to safety. But as of right now, we do not have that perfect situational awareness. Duquesne had implemented all the tried-and-true safety measures. Hard hats, glasses, headlamps, harnesses. But this gear doesn't give the employee information about the conditions underground. Could noxious gases be present? Did another company already have infrastructure there? Perhaps most importantly, was the structure sound? Josh knew his workers needed more information. So he turned to an unexpected place, the public. They launched an innovation challenge, asking people to submit ideas for solving their situational awareness problem. Josh admits it was an unusual step. If those traditional approaches were in and of themselves solving the problem, then we wouldn't need to do anything different. But clearly, we all have underground networks where can we lack this situational uh, awareness. So it's not just about... Um, the sort of creativity and value of the technology itself. It's about the creativity and and diversity of approaches that we take to finding the solutions. That's, in some cases, just as important, if not more important, than, you know, the solution itself. And sometimes it's easy for us to, to lose sight of that as an industry. This is With Great Power, a show about the people building the future grid today. I'm Brad Langley. There's this perception that utilities are outdated and slow and not embracing innovation fast enough. But across the industry, there are lots of really good people working very hard to build a safer, cleaner, and more reliable grid of the future. This week, we're talking with Josh Gould, Director of Innovation at Duquesne Light Company, about changing culture to catalyze innovation. There's an old saying in the business world that if you're not innovating, you're dying. For Josh Gould, that applies to utilities, too. We are in need of new solutions, even to remain uh, with the same level of affordability and reliability uh, as a utility industry that we've had in the past. Um, Forget getting better. We all want to get better. um, But even to to stay where we are, we have to innovate. In a risk-averse industry like utilities, it can be really hard to push for change or even do things unconventionally. Now, Josh believes that getting people motivated around an idea is the key to success. He learned that in his time as an energy technology researcher for the government. So I asked Josh how he puts that into practice at Duquesne. In 2012, you joined ARPA-E, and uh, you were the third employee on the commercialization side. Um, while there, I imagine you learned a tremendous amount. And you know, I think I've, I've heard you say that one of the most important things you learned 
was that in the world of tech deployment, the true scarce resource is not capital. It's actually talent and market adoption. Uh, What do you mean by that? And do you think that still holds true today? Absolutely, I think it holds true today. Um, and one of the interesting things, so just a bit of context here. Um, when I was at RPE, again, I was, I was third employee on our uh, what we called our tech-to-market team, essentially our commercialization team for um, driving the technologies that, that we invested in uh, to market. And so in my time there, I had a, you know, a decent sample size. So about probably 40 or so companies. And I actually, before I left, I ran a, a regression analysis and the highest R squared or the highest determinant of a team's ultimate commercial success, looking at 20 factors, was actually uh, their motivation. And then the other uh, most important, the other uh, two of the, the, the other two of the top three were, I believe, communication and openness to ideas, um, both, both amongst uh, the team and with other kind of external stakeholders. So it wasn't about the t- degree of technology risk. Um, it wasn't about, you know, uh, the, the degree of market risk. It wasn't about like what, what first market you're selling in. I mean, you, again, we could go down the list, but it, it was all about the team. We've seen a lot of layoffs from, you know, really large influential tech companies over the past couple of weeks. There's a lot of really good people out there searching for jobs. And as somebody that came from outside the utility industry, just curious, do you have any advice for utilities on how maybe to to capitalize on that talent pool and potentially recruit some of those folks to kind of join them in their clean energy mission? Uh, one of the things that we have put a lot of thought and rigor in uh, just on our team is um, and when we think about the mechanics of how to um, source and recruit candidates, like if you back up, right, we just talked about how um, it's all about people in terms of, you know, uh, startups and, and, and commercial impact. And I would argue even at a large company, it's still all about people. And so let's unpack that a little bit. Like what does that mean, you know, to be able to capitalize on this talent? I think part of it you see like in the kind of academic literature around it that um, you're able to get uh, your your hiring hit rate is a lot higher if you define what it means to be successful in the role. So what kind of characteristics does that candidate have? That, that's more than just a job description, but what are the specific things that a candidate needs to be successful in the role? And then you screen and recruit on that criteria. And if you're really rigorous about that, and that typically gets you away from, you know, there's certain certainly like technical roles, like you don't want someone running a substation who hasn't, doesn't have any uh, utility experience. Like, I get it. But, um, you know, outside of those roles where you need that deep subject matter expertise, if you're really rigorous about defining, again, what are the characteristics of what someone needs to be successful and, and, um, and then screening for those characteristics and thinking about that broadly, you're going to find some non-traditional candidates that you like are going to blow your mind um, in terms of their ability to, to produce. So I just... Um, I really encourage you know, our own utility, our fellow utilities to think about that and to do it rigorously. And um, if you do it rigorously like that, I think you'll find that um, you'll be open to candidates that, um, you know, whose CVs might surprise you, uh, but when they come to the job, they deliver like, like nobody's business. I guess the other end of that is, is there anything utilities need to be doing differently to recruit that kind of talent? 
We as an industry haven't thought very much about what our brand is. You've got to have a brand that people recognize and respect. Like, and in fact, the tech companies do a great job of that. Everyone, you've got your Apple phone. Um, you know, I'm using using my uh, to hawk any uh, goods here, but I'm using my Apple phone to have this conversation with you. But people know it's an Apple phone. And I think we've got a long ways to go as an industry to build that brand, but I think we're entirely capable of doing that. So thinking again rigorously, like what do you want the brand to be and how it affects all, all stakeholders, your regulators, your customers, but even potential future employees and ensuring that that brand is modern and attractive. Um, and one of the ways in my mind that it's, it becomes modern and attractive is it's an enabler of fighting climate change. Um, it's at the crux of um, you know data, analytics, um, infrastructure, and that opens up a ton of opportunities for employees. Um, and it also serves a really important public good um, for our customers and our, and our stakeholders. And I think making people aware of that and man and sort of proactively and thoughtfully and intentionally building and managing that brand is really critical to long-term um you know talent attraction and, and employee retention for that matter and i think we're, we're starting on that journey and we got a ways to go as an industry so going back to your career progression um, after rpe you went to con edison and you uh, joined their utility the future team uh, while there, you were tasked with developing a strategy and structure for innovation. Um, given what you learned at RPE about commercialization barriers, how did you plan to scale innovation at Con Ed? One of the things that stuck stuck with me from RPE that I think is relevant um, probably anywhere, but certainly at utilities, is think from the end. Um, so most people start with like, what what's my what's my next step? But if you can define really clearly what success looks like, what problem are you solving? What would it mean to solve that problem? And having clarity on that end state, um, then you can figure out what are the right tactical steps to get there. I think we in the utility industry had a um, a mentor uh, who once said to me that. Um, Utilities do strategy by tactics, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, that was someone who was a mentor to me at, at Con Edison. So um, thinking about, again, what, what does the utility want to achieve? What do our stakeholders achieve? Defining that really clearly, and then going out and looking for and sourcing and developing um, and taking to market innovations that can address that need. And a good example of that is um, when, when I was there, we... Um, <clears throat> We had the reforming the energy vision going on, um, you know, a big push for renewables, in particular distributed renewables. And there's this really tired, you know, argument in the industry between stakeholders and utilities where stakeholders often sort of stereotype a utility as getting in the way of distributed resources. And utilities say, well, you don't pay for the value of the grid. You don't think about the value. Of the grid. And that's like a, that's a tired old thing. So, like, how do we... How do we work together to, um, you know, meet stakeholder needs and 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 meet utility needs? And one of the things um, that was a lot of fun to work on at Con Edison was um, taking to market through our solar installers. So through through third party solar installers, a uh, metering device uh, by a vendor called Connector um, to enable faster uh, solar interconnection uh, for distributed PV. And that's a good example of like, again, what I'm getting at is like, start from the end and work backwards. Well, we want to get over this tired argument. We want to enable distributed renewables. Um, you know, we found this great technology. We found some willing partners and our, our solar installers there and rolled it out. So um, that's, a, that's a good example of kind of taking some learnings from a previous job and taking some good mentorship and rolling that into something that, um, that, uh, that worked out pretty well. So. 
you talked about the need to start with the end goal and then work your way forward, which I couldn't agree with more. Um, but innovation can be such a broad term and means so many different things to different people. I'm curious, how do you define success for your innovation department? What does that end goal for for your team look like? One of the things I think, and in, in when we talk to other utilities who are thinking of setting up innovation departments, um, one of the things we can't counsel them on is it really does help to have a definition of innovation, an organizational definition of innovation. So not not what is innovation overall or to the world, but in what innovation means in your organizational context. And then a purpose and a mission and a vision. So I'll give you the, I'll give you a little bit of the, the corporate speak just to give you an example, but I'm going to break it down in some concrete terms about what we mean by by purpose. Um, so you know our purpose is to harness the power of innovation uh, to help Duquesne Light achieve its objectives um, and shape the future of the organization. So that's like I know I know that sounds like corporate speak, but let me let me you know tell you it has a, a certain meaning in our in our context, which is harness the power of innovation. We're not that big as a utility, so we've got to do things like the Innovation Challenge where we're looking outside our own walls, where we're collaborating with third parties, we're collaborating with other industry partners um, to, to harness that power for you know, a smaller utility, help uh, the a utility achieve its objectives. So that means it's not about shiny things. Innovation isn't just about like the cool new whiz-bang thing. It's about solving a real organizational need and a real organizational problem. So that's what that piece means. And then shape the future of the organization. What that means is we're proactive. So we're not waiting just for something bad to happen. We're going out, we're looking for new solutions. We're, you know, uh, canvassing the world. We're working with third parties to do that. So again, that sounds like corporate speak, but we've said it enough internally, hopefully, that people like harness the power of innovation, achieve its objectives, shape the, the, the future of the organization. Like, okay, I get what that actually means. And you start to be able to give examples and things like that. But that's just a, that's an example of what it means in our context. So now that you're doing um, innovation work at at Duquesne, and you know you've got this innovation center project, I I, I kind of bill you a, a utility innovation guru. Uh, so I'm curious to get your perspective. You know, how have you seen utility innovation change over the years, and do you have any thoughts on the pace of change? Yeah, well, I get I, I'll give you a, a glass half full and a glass half empty about the you know the pace pace of change in our industry is um it's definitely too slow. <laughs> Let me just <laughs> hit you with that. I'll start with the glass half. It's definitely too slow. It's too slow because the world is changing far far faster than we're changing. Our customer needs are faster than we're changing. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna need to keep up. But my my glass half full piece is you know being in a innovation role at a utility. One of the things you see um, is a lot of, again, collaboration with other utilities. And I'm seeing increasing prominence of innovation amongst uh, utilities and their agenda um, and staffing an actual team around it um, and really the savvy of those teams that are staffed around it, having things like a mission and vision, avoiding the like shiny new thing syndrome, being really rigorous about the process that you use to drive that innovation, being very thoughtful about you know, what you decide to do and what not to do. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, while the world outside of utilities walls is going to force and push us, and I think a healthy way to change, ultimately, it's the people inside who are going to enable that change. How big is your team? And what are some of those key roles you need to hire for at the outset in order to be successful? We're not a huge utility, so there's, no, there's only four of us. But it's about, it's about the right size for a utility our size. And um, 
you know, it's really important to be thoughtful and strategic about the set of skills that you need and the characteristics that you need. In general, one of the things that I think almost every innovation group needs is you need this mix between insiders and outsiders. Insider means like you, someone who understands the utility business, understands how utilities work, how they make money, has pre-existing relationships, um, has sort of pre-existing uh, industry, you know, uh, industry relationships, external relationships as well. And you need that insider perspective because ultimately you need to at least to some degree the rest of the utility to come along with you. So having those relationships in place, having that knowledge in place is very helpful. If you get too much inside, you're, it's going to be highly incremental. You tend to not make the you know sort of transformative big progress that you really want. And so you need that outside mix of skills. You need some skills that are sort of adjacent to the utility business model. Maybe it's a bit of analytics. Um, you know, maybe it's a bit of machine learning. Um, maybe it's a bit of, uh, in fact, it certainly is a, uh, some entrepreneurial chops, some startup experience, maybe some venture experience. That's the general thing, you know, when I'm thinking about building it from scratch um, and thinking about the people, because it is all about the people, having that right mix of insiders and outsiders um, is really tough to achieve, uh, but I think really critical to the ultimate success of those those teams long-term. Part of what makes the innovation challenge so cutting edge is how it engages the public. You know, it's a big cultural shift for a utility to put a problem in the public domain and ask for help coming up with a solution. You know, I'm curious, how did you manage that cultural shift and really get people comfortable with the model for the challenge? I mentioned we had a very serious safety incident in our underground network in April 2021. We made a variety of process uh, changes to keep our employees safe. We made a variety of PPE changes to keep our employees safe. We did a very thorough investigation um, and we felt good about the work that we did. But we realized the long-term piece that we really wanted to address was um, again, better situational awareness, better ability to monitor our cables so that we could uh, better predict failures and address them uh, before they they happen. The nice thing is is like we talked about it before, where you have a mission, you can you know you can win people over to that mission. And I think um, keeping our employees safe, uh, making sure that we're delivering a very reliable and affordable product for our customers like, that's something that people can get their heads around. That's something that people can rally around. Um, when you have stories around that of you know specific incidents of things that um, you know we can address, that was really helpful in rallying folks both internally, um, but also rallying folks externally. Because again, that's not a mission that uh, we uh, at Duquesne Light have uh, alone. That's a mission that many other utilities share with us, and that kind of rallied people to that mission. So clearly you believe innovation should be a core part of the utility business and not just something happening with a few products and services. Uh, you've described this as the red queen effect. Uh, tell me what that means. I've not heard that one before. The red queen effect actually refers to uh, Alice in Wonderland. So um, Alice uh, uh, somewhere in Wonderland and um, the red queen is making her run faster and faster to stay in the same place. Um, and so when I think about the Red Queen effect as it relates to utilities, I would, I would say that um, climate change, aging infrastructure is causing a Red Queen effect. Meaning, um, if we just do what we're doing today, uh, in my mind, climate change and aging infrastructure is going to make reliability worse. 
So we have to innovate just to stay in the same place. That's the red queen. To we we've got to use innovation to help us run faster, even to stay in the same place. Now look. We all want to get better. We all want to uh, deliver a, a more reliable and affordable product. And I think the other way in which innovation can help is to get you off that treadmill in the first place, right? To, to get you on another, you know, maybe slower treadmill where you can actually get ahead. Um, but yeah, you know, the Red Queen effect, again, uh, refers to needing to run faster to stay in the same place, just like Alice did. And um, that's that's one of the reasons why we need innovation um, is to help us just just uh, keep up, uh, much less get ahead. Although we want to, of course, use it to get ahead as well. What will happen to utilities if they don't shake the perception that they are slow to change? Uh, here, I have to shout out um, my uh, my industry colleagues at uh, Consumers Energy. So, consumers um, they coined the term uh, "people, planet, and profits." Um, so, you know, when I when I I think there's a. a in my mind, a pretty tired argument in our industry. Well, if we aren't slow to change, or is there going to be a death spiral, or are we going to exist, or whatever? I'm like, it almost doesn't matter um, because at least what motivates me, uh, and I think what motivates a lot of a lot of people are in, in our industry uh, and at our company to come to work every day, is again people planning profits. So if we're if we're faster to change, if we're more open to innovation. Um, if we're, you know, putting real effort to deliver a better future, um, we're just, we're going to have a better planet. We're going to have better people in the sense of, you know, more engaged employees, happier customers, you know, receiving the products and services that they want. And, uh, and it's going to drive profits as well. What superpower do you bring to push the energy transition forward? Being able to take a punch. Metaphorically, of course, <laughs> not not literally, not literally. Um, I think persistence for those in uh, innovation and change roles at utility is absolutely necessary. Um, so I like to think uh, I think we're 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 pretty good at um, knowing not everything we do is going to be successful, but picking yourself up uh, if you if you take a metaphorical punch. Uh, you know, on a given day and keep moving forward is, again, so critical. So that, that'd be my, my superpower. Josh, thank you very much for taking the time. It was really fascinating to hear your perspective on innovation. And, you know, I'm really glad that your thought and energy is being dedicated to the utility space. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. With Great Power is produced by GridX in partnership with PostScript Media. Delivering on the clean energy future is complex. GridX exists to simplify the journey. GridX is the enterprise rate platform that modern utilities rely on to usher in our clean energy future. We design and implement emerging rate structures, and we increase consumer investment in clean energy, all while managing the complex billing needs of a distributed grid. Our production team includes Aaron Hardick, Stephen Lacey, and Camille Stennis from PostScript Media. Anne Bailey is our story editor. The original theme song and mixing came from Sean Marquand. The GridX production team includes Jenny Barber and me, Brad Langley. If you're enjoying the show and it's providing value for you, and we really hope it is, please help us spread the word. You can rate your review us at Apple and Spotify, or you can share a link with a friend, colleague, or the energy nerd in your life. Thanks for listening. I'm Brad Langley. <laughs>